Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about. Now, I literally can't miss a day. It's the first thing I put in my body every single morning. As someone who suffers from IBS, AG1 has completely improved my gut health and allows me to have sustained energy throughout the day. And since I'm always on the go, the travel packs make it so easy to stay consistent wherever I am. Love it. I've personally been taking AG1 for a while. And as someone who lacked a multivitamin routine, AG1 has been the perfect product to mix into my morning routine. Truthfully, I was a skeptic at first as I'm with most supplements and vitamins, but I've felt noticeably better at the start of morning workouts and definitely have seen an improvement in my digestive health. I tend to mix my AG1 with two tablespoons of lemon juice and coconut water, and it's delicious. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash STW. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash STW to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by COO and Board of Directors of Athletic Greens, Kat Cole. Prior to Athletic Greens, Kat served as President and COO of Focus Brands, parent company of Cinnabon, Annie Ann's, Moe's, and Carvel. Athletic Greens is one of the fastest growing nutrition companies in the U.S., and after advising Athletic Greens for many years, Kat finally decided to take the jump and join the company full-time. Athletic Greens' core product, AG1, was a pioneer in the foundational nutrition movement 10 years ago. It has been growing gradually with more people looking to build and stack simple, healthy habits. Athletic Greens has been direct to consumer since its inception, ahead of the curve in many ways. We absolutely love this conversation, and we know you will too. Kat, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're really excited to be chatting with you today. And uh, I would like to basically start out with, you know, your journey started from Hooters to Cinnabon to now Athletic Greens. Can you quickly take us through that path and down memory lane and shed a little light on your your journey thus far? Sure. Um, yeah, I started, um, you know, first jobs were in retail and hospitality became uh, worked in malls. When I was like 15, 16, became a hostess at Hooters when I was 17, um, became a waitress at Hooters when I was 18 and graduated from high school. First person in my family to get into college. Um, Hooters was such a fun, flexible and great paying job and far more fun than say like an Applebee's or a TGA Fridays. And some crazy things started to happen uh, at that time. So between the times that I was 18 and 19, 
So my second full year with the company, um, one, I had worked, started to work every job in the restaurant. So I wasn't just a hostess and a Hooters girl. I was a bartender. I was a shift leader. I was a cook. I learned to work every job in the restaurant. And that made me a very good candidate to travel around to help train other employees at new store openings. The company happened to be growing um, rapidly and globally. And so when I was 19, uh, second year, almost second year in college, I was uh, offered the opportunity to go travel to Australia to launch the franchise. So I have been opening businesses around the world since I was 19 years old, um, opened the franchise in Sydney, Australia, came back, thought it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, made up the classes that I missed because there weren't like late interwebs um, at peak uh, availability for distance learning that there are now. And, uh, and then 60 or 70 days later, I was asked to go do the same thing in Central America to be a part of the team to launch the franchise. And Fast forward for the sake of brevity, by the time I was 20, I had uh, been on teams and then was leading the teams by that point. So just after a few openings, I was leading the teams, uh, opening the franchise in over four continents, um, over 20 cities, and half of those were in unique separate countries. And I was failing college, so I dropped out of college because I was traveling so much. Took a corporate job at Hooters to oversee the employee training department when I was 20 years old. And then as the company grew, I grew. By the time I was 26, I was vice president of the company doing about 800 million in revenue, stayed in that executive role with expanding responsibilities for about six years. Um, and it was just an amazing, you know, it, in all about a 14 year run in that company, but a different role every year or two. And then I left to become president of Cinnabon and that brand needed to be turned around uh, out of the recession. And it was a part of a portfolio company called Focus Brand. So I joined to be the president of Cinnabon in 2010, turned it around out of the recession, launched this huge um, CPG business, um, and really built my chops around grocery, retail, consumer, beyond hospitality and franchising in that company and in that role. And then a few years later, the business was doing incredibly well. I became group president of the parent company, standing up the e-com manufacturing, CPG, and licensing division. So taking what we did at Cinnabon, but expanding it to multiple brands that were now under our house of brands. And then a few years into building that, uh, became president and COO of the parent company, billions in sales. I managed nine presidents, 80 countries, eight brands that ranged from Cinnabon and Auntie Anne's and Carvel, like fun for you, not definitely not on the good for you end. Two things like most Southwest Grill and Jamba Juice that are definitely more on the accessible and lots of options for more healthful eating. And while a lot of people think of me as like the lady that ran Cinnabon and did Undercover Boss and I get attached to that, it was it was 12 years ago. <laughs> and um, and I led many brands beyond that since then. And then um, through that journey, became an angel investor in early stage companies, many of which were wellness and like future of food, future of industry, because it was my personal passion and started advising founders in the space. And so that's how my network, even while I was at Focus Brands, started building in the early stage and true wellness, not just like a little bit better, but true wellness space. Um, so then in 2021, when I decided I was needed a break from operating. I'd been running Focus or running brands and Focus Brands for 10 years. So 15, 14 and a half, almost 15 years at Hooters, 10 years at Focus Brands. Um, took a year off to just lean into advising and my board work and um, and then helping founders and helping businesses. One of my advisory um, partnerships was with Chris Ashenden, the founder and CEO of Athletic Greens. And, um, and that's 
kind of the beginning of what is the next chapter because I'm now president, COO, and board member of Athletic Greens. And he quickly and swiftly, as great founders do, convinced me um, to join full-time to help him build this incredibly special company that was like built for the future 12 years ago and is doing something really special now. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. That is one of the most incredible journeys I've, I've honestly heard um, with anyone that we've ever interviewed. Just a question. I mean, you are an absolute expert in the franchise model based off your prior experiences. I would just be curious to understand what are some of kind of the key levers, um, you know, that drive a successful unit within kind of a franchise model? I mean, I'll speak first just brand and consumer that if you don't have a brand with some level of distinction then you really don't have anything to franchise like why would i pay you royalties for your brand when i could just launch cats cabbage bowls um if if you don't have a, a way to distinguish and create value that i should pay for that accelerates my success as an operator um so there has to be a brand worth noting, like something consumers are connecting with. So that's more at the ethereal marketing brand customer relationship level, but then way on the other side of financial fundamentals, the business model has to be able to bear and support a royalty structure. And so best in class franchising franchisees need to be able to make 15, 16, 17% EBITDA after they pay royalties and add funds. So there's just a math equation that, uh, exists for top tier franchises. There are franchises that exist that don't meet those descriptions, but the best have a level of profitability for the individual franchisee um, that makes it worth it, right? Again, otherwise I get to keep 100% of the sales and profits and launch Cat's Cabbage Bowls and um, not pay you anything. And so um, so those are the two ends, right? You need a brand that matters to consumers that is makes sense for me to hitch my entrepreneurial operating wagon to uh, versus doing it myself and the fundamental economics need to pencil. Now there's a lot of stuff in between there, like how strong is the operating structure, the training, the support, the compliance, the accountability, the marketing, um, the, the balance between crowdsourcing insights and business ideas from franchisees versus the franchisor setting the tone and the direction. And so it's this mix of like, think of Main Street meets Wall, Wall Street, right? Global meets local, really great franchises know how to have that two-way feedback loop and have something feel incredibly successful at a hyper-local level and be building a brand over time around its geographies that stands for something consistent. That's so fascinating. And I can't help but ask, you know, you come from this world of, of Cinnabon Hooters and now you're at Athletic Greens and Daniel and I were chatting of like, not necessarily the most healthy to like the pinnacle of health and wellness. How has that been for you kind of adopting a new strategic outlook or or what's the same and how is it different? It's the same. Um, one, as I mentioned, many people go Hooters Cinnabon, but there were like eight other brands in between there on the journey, right? Like managing Moe's Southwest Grill, managing Jamba Juice, managing McAllister's, managing Schlotzky's, managing Seattle's Best Coffee. So like these brands aren't the pinnacle of health, but they're obvious, they're also not like deep in the indulgence sector. So 
if you look at the brands I led over time, they were almost stepping toward athletic greens, but most people don't pay attention because Cinnabon and Hooters are like fun to talk about and really well-known and iconic brands, but they were the very beginning of my journey. There's a whole middle of other brands that are not like the poster child for sugar and fat. Um, and so that's one thing, right? It's not that big of a journey when I've applied these um, operating approaches to brands that sit in very different spectrums in the consumer experience. Then, as I mentioned, for almost 10 years, I've been angel investing in health and wellness companies. It's not new. Um, whether it's HumanCo and the HumanCo brand portfolio um, or other way better for you wellness, uh, health and wellness products, whether it was in food and beverage or in other wellness categories, I've got a 10-year love affair by putting my money and my time into companies that are about nothing but making the world healthier. And so when you know that, it makes the the move to athletic greens look way less stark. Right. But when it's in contrast with the 10-year gap, it looks incredibly stark. And then, you know, I would say, but to your question, like whether it's stark or not, it's still interesting that there are a lot of things that are the same. Um, and fundamentally, it is falling in love with a customer and whatever their need is and how you meet their need. And for Cinnabon, that was like the mantra was life needs frosting. It was, we're not for everyone and we're definitely not for all the time. But when you want to be bad, this is so worth that moment because some people need and appreciate that. And, and yet that is radically different. And the question is the same for athletic greens, but the answer is different, right? Like what is the need in the moment? The need is no one has the perfect diet. No one has the perfect lifestyle. And most people in the modern world have way suboptimal gut health for all kinds of reasons, right? We eat processed foods. We've taken antibiotics. We have a lot of stress. Um, and there's increasing research and awareness around the gut everything connection, right? Gut, brain, microbiome, et cetera. So if we don't have optimal gut health and there's a, a lot of deep science and research that evidence that affects everything, then there is a growing need for people to have solutions to bring what we call foundational nutrition, but nutrients and gut health um, in a convenient way. Because even if you eat beautiful, organic rainbow plate of meals, our food is also not as nutrient dense as it once was. Um, and we are living incredibly stressful lives that create a level of physical, emotional, and overall biological taxation um, that re require, or you could argue at least benefit from some help like support. Um, whether that's probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, phytonutrients, right? The greens powders. And so for AG1, for athletic greens, but the hero product AG1, the question and the challenge we're solving is not someone who needs a break and needs to be bad for a moment. And we make that delicious, a delicious treat. Because there's going to be a market of people who indulge, like, right, people are going to indulge. I'd rather be running a company and doing that really thoughtfully and consciously and honestly, that like, it's an indulgence. Mm -hmm. And so- have it for breakfast every day. Um, to then people who acknowledge my body for whatever reason, whether I'm super healthy and I read the research and I know still I benefit from support or I struggle to have an optimal diet and lifestyle and I definitely need some support. Um, the challenge for those folks, for well, for us, because I'm in that group, is um, finding a way to supplement 
um, comprehensively in a way you can keep up with the pills, the powders, the time. It's so hard. It really difficult if you travel and the industry is full of bullshit and full of BS and is really hard to know who to trust. And so the question that we ask at AG is the same question I asked at Cinnabon, you know, what are your needs and where do we belong in your life for those needs and for whom, but the answers are all that I just described. Um, you know, the industry is so full of, of hype and BS, but there's, there's good stuff in there too, but it's hard to know. And even if you find the good stuff, it's hard to take it consistently. And so we solve for both the trust, the research, the quality, and the ability to do it consistently, both because of the form factor and because it's actually tasty enough to drink every day with just water instead of needing to like blend it in a smoothie or um, you can, but you don't have to. And so that unlocks a healthy habit that then results in other healthy habits that, you know, fuel. So again, the outcomes are opposite <laughs> between Cinnabon and Athletic Greens, but anyone running a consumer business starts with these questions. Yeah. Um, I love that so much. And I, I would love to tap into understand athletic greens just a bit more of where you are now. I, I, I think what's really interesting about athletic greens is a, it's a single skew company right now, um, with the hero product being AG one. Um, and a lot of it is revolved around maintaining that subscription model and how are we driving customers to subscribe and then retaining those customers. And it's easy to imagine right now that the subscribers or people that are consuming AG1 are athletes or people that are wanting to biohack or, you know, green powder, this, that. Used to be. Right, right, right. So I want to understand from you, like, how are you guys attracting beyond those types of consumers? What are you doing to like get that layer deeper? Some of it just started to happen organically. I mean, um, yes, in the early years, it was athletes or fitness enthusiasts, right? Didn't have to be professional athletes, but deep fitness and people who were like, I push my body to the max. I need support. I want that support to be high quality and easy. Boom. You know, we have a match, a subscription match made in heaven. Um, but then what started to happen is to your point, more education around biohacking and more conversations and content and community around longevity. And so that expanded the customer base beyond fitness enthusiast. Now they usually overlap meaningfully because obviously if you're focusing on longevity, it's a, it's a little fruitless if you're not all uh, also looking into the physical activity side of it. So the Venn diagrams would really overlap, but it started to expand and reinforce the need for the appreciation for um, AG1. And then you can look at our customer base and something really interesting started to happen. Remember the company was bootstrapped to 160 million in annual revenue for a decade. No outside capital, no hype, no sold, no selling in retail at AG, like athleticgreens.com and by AG1, that's it. Um, and so it's interesting that the customer base started to become um, even more like gender balanced naturally. Some of that I think is um, not shocking. Like you have someone who's taking something who's benefiting from it and their mom, their sister, their partner, if it happens to be a woman um, is like, well, should I drink that? Like, is it only for athletes? 
And one of our challenges is our name is of our company is Athletic Greens. And it is why we renamed the product to AG1 because we are neither only for athletes nor is AG1 only greens. It is so much more than greens. Greens is a fraction of it. And it's actually a full stack multivitamin, a full stack pre-probiotic. The adaptogens that work with those probiotics create a lot of the gut health impact that people like freak out about when they drink AG1 for even a week. Um, so it is like truly synergistic and comprehensive. Sounds like a bunch of corporate gobbledygook, but it's like real scientific outcomes of how the ingredients work together. And so people started to feel a difference. Usually most customers say right away energy. There's no caffeine. There's like a shred of green tea that you see deep in the ingredients, but it's like a non-existent amount of caffeine. It is the B vitamins, the adaptogens, and the fact that it goes into the gut um, and that helps the gut and the entire microbiome flourish and act more effectively that creates that noticeable energy. Then people are like, wow, my poop is smooth. I'm less bloated. I'm, the digestive benefits are benefit number two that customers see most consistently. And then over time, this takes longer, people say, um, I notice I get sick a little less or when I get sick, it moves faster or I'm not getting sick when other people do. And obviously that's such an individualized experience. We could never claim that you're not going to get sick, you know, if you take AG1. Um, but that's what customers say. And the ingredients are well-researched to boost and support immunity, especially in combination with each other. So when you have that lived experience with a product and someone else is in the household, you can see the subscriptions go from one to the address to two to the address. Um, and, and then, you know, we start to see referrals. Like I, I was a customer before I started advising AG. My husband's an ultra endurance athlete. That's how I knew about it and heard about it. Um, and my mom and my parents and his parents are subscribers now. Um, and they're in their 60s and 70s. And arguably they need it more, want it more, value it more than someone who's younger. And um, and in fact, feel the benefits in a, in a really different and profound way because of their life stage. So that organically because of how good the product is started to expand beyond the universe of fitness enthusiasts um, and biohackers. And now last year with the rebranding of AG1, modernizing the look and feel, there was a real intentionality to speak to a more diverse audience and diverse by every definition. Like now we're like, this is not happening organically. This should not be the best kept secret in like nutrition and wellness. Like it's cute to say it's the best kept secret, but it's actually not a desired business outcome. And so like literally people can see, look on our Instagram, look on our TikTok, look on our socials, look at who we're partnering with. Like we are reaching into still communities that um, already appreciate the value of nutrients and gut health, um, but to people at very different points in the health ownership journey. And so right. now the last two years, over half the customers acquired have been women. And, and I know that's incredible. And I also know that you like the, the iteration process of the new renditions is consistent. So like the AG1 is continuously constantly right, yeah. right making new, and, and I've been 52. drinking AG1 for a long time or when it was athletic greens. And I can even taste a difference now. Like I used to have a hard time stomaching it on its own. And now I can like easily drink a bottle fully every morning with water and it just goes down yeah. so smoothly. Yeah. One pro tip for anyone, cold water minimizes the earthy notes and maximizes the citrus notes. So cold water is literally the hack. 
Um, yeah. It's amazing. I like lemon. I put lemon juice um, and then just a touch of coconut water. That's Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's really a, um, lemon is a Dr. Andrew Huberman hack. Yeah. G one. He like tells everyone when he like. Yeah.
on our own regularly. So the other misconception or question I should say is like, why is it so expensive or why is it so premium? And then some people connect that to, is there really a difference? Um, and between our, our own process, our commitment to quality, our research, our scientific advisors, these are the top minds in health and wellness, Atia, Huberman, Ralph Esposito, right? Like they would not let us breathe in the direction of anything that's BS and have their name attached to it. But it was our way of being before and the third party certifications we put ourselves through. Also, we just, we have to do a better job of telling that story to help people go, wow, I'll never, you know, the industry again is so full of hype, but these guys are really putting in the work. And that's what we want. We want people, people to appreciate how complex it actually is, but that getting nutrients and gut health shouldn't be that complicated. We do the hard work so you don't have to. And that includes things that should drive trust um, around quality and the latest science on what ingredients work together to give you really strong nutrients and nutrient absorption and much better gut health. So those are the two I would put like, it's like the 80, 20 rule. Like those are the two that would be either the most common critiques and questions or misconceptions. And then everything else is like, you know, a, a minority. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause when you, when you put, frame it as not only a greens powder, but also like a multivitamin, the price no longer feels premium because people spend God knows like $50 on a jar of multivitamins. Their cabinet of, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it just, and it's so frustrating, but we take accountability for it. It's like, it's our, it's our job to somehow tell the story. It's our job to cut through the noise And that's why our messaging and what people see from us now on social and on our own accounts, and even in some of the packages that we've sent, there's been a little two card, even to our existing customers, like just a reminder, this technically covers nine common health products that you would buy from Whole Foods. Right. Uh, And, but at a minimum, multivitamin, pro prebiotic, phytonutrients, adaptogens, like those are the power four that to your point, when you do the math of what people spend on those this is a savings and it works better and you're more likely to stick with it because it's like one step in the day instead of pills and powders and how to travel with the pill box and stuff and bananas. So it, it is our, one of our noble missions to do a better job educating and communicating and fighting the legacy of our, what is now our company name without totally shunning the beautiful equity, you know, that we have in that. Right, right, right. Yeah. I want to touch on the subscription model a little bit more because I think, you know, we bring on a lot of consumer brands and we talk to a lot of founders and subscription is, you know, the hottest word I feel like these days. And how how do you keep subscribers and how do you not lose them and whatnot? What do you think is the hardest thing about executing on a subscription modeled business? I mean, one of them is, it's not a challenge for a G per se, because truly it is one product that's so amazing. But obviously if your product isn't awesome, people don't come back. (laughs) And and if you're having to incentivize them to return and to subscribe and an ongoing basis, you have a fundamental like product problem. And so I think some people try to force fit a subscription into something that people aren't naturally going to want to repeat. And, and maybe it's because, look, they're entrepreneurial 
founders and they create a product and they think there's ritual around the product and they think that product should be subscription, but they're maybe a, a bit um, ambitious around the frequency of the use of that product or a bit blinded by their own love for the product and how differentiated it actually is. And so that would lead people to want to have an occasional purchase versus a subscription. And AG1, you know, as we've discussed, it's literally a daily habit. It is incredibly high quality. It lends itself to subscription because one, people don't want to run out. Like they don't want to run out. <laughs> if you're an AG1 drinker and you go a week without it, like I've had people sending me notes. I forgot to order travel packs and I'm on the road and I notice a difference in my digestive system and not in the most ideal way, right? It's And it's not that they crash, right? They're not like their life isn't dependent on AG1, but they are less optimally functioning because they're not getting that balance of nutrients and gut health. And so products like that really lend themselves to subscription. The other part is the convenience and pricing equation of it all. It is a science. Um, and what's the gap in pricing between just buying it one time versus subscribing? Again, are people really sticking with it at the frequency that your subscription model is built around? And if not, you're gonna have a lot of funkiness in the model. Um, and then a lot of companies are doing subscription and you know, they're omni-channel. So retail and other channels, and that's not us. This is literally, it's like the Mandalorian. This is the way, <laughs> that is it. Um, one, because of its premium price, it would probably be a little bit of sticker shock on the shelf, maybe not on a whole food shelf. I mean, walking past those collagen containers, I'm like, holy moly, $60, $70, you know, for a 30 day supply of a single ingredient probably makes AG1 look like an incredible value by comparison for like density for dollars. Um, but still it allows, it, you, you really got to believe that your model as a subscription is allowing the customer to get the best possible value because you are cutting out middle steps and distribution channels that would otherwise layer in cost right. customer. Yeah, I think that that's super interesting because I was going to ask, right, like, so many of these kind of DTC darlings have been tried to like evolve into the omni-channel strategy, like, you know, a, a Casper, Warby, or an Allbirds, and you obviously have to be willing to have kind of the price point to do so and still have the margin and the unit economics work. And then I thought it was also interesting, you talk about, you know, if someone is kind of missing the product for a few days, maybe there's, I was thought I thought you were going to go at the angle of, oh, I can go buy it in retail because, you know, I missed my subscription, but luckily there's a store nearby that has AG. But I do understand kind of for the model that you guys are pushing forward, it really does make sense um, to be to be digitally. And, and it's interesting, the story, right? Because it was founded as a subscription business 12 years ago before D2C, like before that was a thing. Yeah. And the reason why is um, Chris realized like this is expensive to do or a premium cost to do. So it's going to be a premium cost to the consumer and so one, I need to keep that like sticker price as low as possible. But then when he met with a bunch of consultants and business mentors, they're like, look, you need to be in retail. You need to take some mm -hmm. of those ingredients out, lower the price and go wholesale and retail, like sell online if you want, but the big business is in big box. And he was like, absolutely not. The research says these things working together are what create the nutrient and gut health benefit um, that people get. And so it is, it is this, 
And if I'm sticking to this, then I almost have to sell direct to consumer. Yeah. It just wasn't. And then he stuck with it over time. And then all of a sudden the industry like catches up with a ton of D2C and D2C wellness and D2C supplement businesses, all at various price points from Uber premium to um, more entry priced. And so the a lot has changed in, since he right. founded the company. And, and in yeah. fact, as a result, the company grew so fast in recent years, we have actually a lot of work we're doing right now to upgrade our technology and our subscription engine. It was like built on super dated tech stack. <laughs> like when I joined the company, I'm like, oh my God, we're doing hundreds of millions on top of this. But it's because he started it that way from the beginning. And then the last four years in particular, and then the last two years out of that have been crazy. Um, and so we're building the rebuilding the plane as we're flying it, as it relates to the, like the back end, the subscription engine, and it's going to give us a lot more flexibility for easier, like referrals and gifting. And like, we're actually dated. If you compare us to some of the modern companies that are popping up with subscriptions now, because they're built on modern subscription engines. And it's a little hard for customers to like do things they want to do because of our tech stack, but, um, it'll be better soon. <laughs> That's such a, I love that point. And I love the, the part about Chris being really unwilling to like sacrifice on ingredient quality as a means of like going into retail. Cause I think, right. Like that profile is such a core component of the equity of like the brand. Totally. And so I, I really admire you guys for, for not like kind of making those adjustments as a means of reaching the price point that would have been kind of retail friendly. Yeah. Um, One more question before we go to rapid fire is just, what is something that looking back on your career that like you could, um, I guess, just reflect on and, and kind of learn from that you like move forward with today and whatever that you're doing in future roles? I mean, you know, I think it's just one on the AG side. Well, first I'll say, doesn't matter if you're in a mature company, which is what I used to run, like large multi-billion dollar mature companies or early stage high growth humans are going to human. <laughs> and so as it relates to hiring, managing people, resourcing, growing the company, people are people, man. <laughs> so it's, there, there are not as many differences as people would think. And yet being now with truly a hyper growth, digitally native, fully remote, never had a headquarters, carbon neutral wellness company. So like it, my beliefs have been very, have been incredibly interestingly pressure tested with this particular business. It's like, well, were those beliefs and principles and frameworks just true for mature companies? Um, and it is really cool to see that the basic principles of um, being obsessed with your customer, being really honest about your product and not loving it so much, you don't see the truth. Mm -hmm. Um being on a journey with the customer and appreciating what in their lives is changing and evolving over time and how that may directly or indirectly affect their relationship with you and building teams that both um, can work in a modern way, but that can also be obsessed with those customers and aligned with a mission um, is such a powerful unlock. It's a powerful unlock for me as a leader in the company I'm in now with Athletic Greens but I would, I take it into the future, right? And how I advise founders and 
um, any other companies I may support or work with. These just fundamental principles of high quality product, obsession with customer, evolving with them, building great teams, structuring modern work, and having those teams be mission driven. Like it's not, it's not rocket science to articulate or lay out. It is very hard work to execute day in day out. It's such a good answer. Wow, so much there. Um, we want to move into our one of our favorite sections of the podcast, which is uh rapid fire. We're gonna throw some questions your way, super random, and whatever comes to mind. Uh, first one. Through some research, we know that you're a big burner. So are you going to Burning Man this year? I am. I will be not available. Not available in a week and a half. Or weeks. <laughs> follow up on that. What has been your biggest learning or like takeaway from your time going to Burning Man? I mean, I, I could simply cite the Burning Man principles because they literally can and should be carried into everyday life. But things like radical participation, radical self-reliance, leave no trace. Uh, you, know, you know, there's there are others, but that that's really interesting, this idea of if I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be all in. Radical participation. I'm not a spectator in my life, in my company, or at my burn. Um, and radical self-reliance, right? I am accountable. I am accountable for me. I am accountable for what I bring. And I'm also accountable to be ready to support people at any time. And that is required on the playa. Um, it is required in life. It is a huge benefit to have that mindset in business. And this idea of leave no trace, um, which is a direct line to loving the planet, um, but also is this like connection to leave things better than you found it. And that's true in businesses. And it's true with teams. Like are people better because of your presence? Are people better because of your contribution? Is the company better because of your contribution on a net basis? Um, so those are real takeaways. And then on a more meta level <laughs> to really get into the burner space, um, the idea of impermanence, like really great things end. Um, and, you know, at Burning Man, there are these amazing, beautiful art structures from all around the world. Some, some are permanent fixtures made of like metal and other materials, but a, a, a large portion of them, including the man um, at the center and the temple, um, it all gets burned. And there are hundreds, thousands of people hours building these beautiful structures and moving them and, and getting them assembled on the playa and people visit them and it's their experience and people get married around them and mourn and meditate and have this beautiful experience and you set it on fire and you watch it go up into smoke. Um, it's impermanence. Um, all things end. And, um, and so this idea of building that muscle to build with radical participation, but you know you're going to burn it. <laughs> like crazy, right? I'm doing all this work and I know it's gonna end at some point and it releases attachment. It helps you appreciate that things have a cycle, things have a journey. And so there's also something really big about that mindset that can be obtained in many other ways throughout life, philanthropic work, humanitarian work, just living a rich life and experiencing this, but it, it is particularly evident um, at Burning Man. 
That's amazing. I'm so excited to hear about your burn. Uh, on a more simple note, or I guess like health and wellness focused, what's your favorite go-to uh, snack food company or like health and wellness CPG company right now? Outside of AG1. Yeah, um, you, you can't, you can't. Yeah, I can't, can't say my own. I mean, I'm still a fan of um, some of the top collagen protein companies. There's been a lot of advancement in the research around that. Um, so I'm a big fan there. I love um, liquid IV and element, you know, electrolytes. There's a lot of research around needing that. Not everyone needs it every day, but if you are pushing yourself, certainly having a better electrolyte balance can be helpful occasionally. Um, those are the ones that come to mind immediately. It's a lot of the um, ingestibles. I mean, House of Wise, um, the CBD mm -hmm. gummy company. Um, awesome. Oh, you had Amanda on. That's awesome. Yeah, Amanda. Uh, such a struggle to be in the CBD business as an independent entrepreneur, right? You can't talk about your product in a normal way. You can't market it in a normal way. You get shadow banned on all the platforms. Like people can post porn, but heaven forbid you say cannabis. Yeah. Um, and so it's pretty, it's really hard to be a founder in that space. Um, but the product is super high quality and I'm a big fan. So those are some that come to mind. I have to, have to ask what was your favorite, uh, or still, I guess, focus brands company. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My God, it's so hard. Um, it is one of those, like all your children, I think you know, in particular, a couple of the, what we called snack brands. So the indulgent brands have a very special place in my heart. I mean, of course, Cinnabon, because I was president of that one. I ended up being group president and president and COO of the parent company over all the others, but I'm so deeply connected and will always be um, to Cinnabon. I, I'm really proud of the continued journey that Auntie Anne's is on, um, it, it's a higher quality product than people will ever appreciate. The fact that it's in malls and airports sort of makes you assume it's like, you know, there might be some questions around it, but it's fine because I'm here to indulge. It, it has a shockingly low number of ingredients. It is mixed by hand and made by hand in every mall and every airport. There is literally not one product that is pre-produced and sent to those locations. And so it is this like there's a reason it's so good. It's from scratch in every location. And so I just, I think it's very special and it's always had this very strong founder DNA. There literally is an Auntie Anne, uh, Anne Byler. And so that's really cool. And um, Jamba, like the journey, we took Jamba private. It was public. It really shouldn't have been public. It's too small. They didn't keep up with the evolution of the juice industry. They were the leader, the creator of the space at the time. And I was so proud at how quickly we put together a team to like slash the sugar content, triple the plant alternatives for dairy, um, create just like we, we put it where it needed to be without making it something it's not. Um, and I, like, I feel a sense of pride and knowing that that is a smoothie chain for the masses, for sure. We kept the price points low but everyone going there is getting a radically healthier experience uh, and a meaningfully healthier menu and set of options for people who want to be even more serious um, about, you know, something being truly healthy versus just a healthier version of something fun. Um, so I'm really proud of 
of Jamba. And the, and when I'm in airports, I go and I get my vanilla blue sky, which was the last yeah. thing before I left spirulina, oat milk, plant pea protein, like none of that shit existed when we bought the company. And Ooh, that I got to try one of those. That oh, it's good. so, and so low sugar, so low, like that is my, that single little blue smooth, like it, it's just the spirulina. And it's like this little bit of spirulina. And it is the example that one product is the example of the journey that we took that, that brand on. And I'm so proud. Yeah. I feel like juice press may have even like tried to copy it. Cause then they came out with this thing called blue magic. And I feel like Jamba, like, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. Also it's so fun. Cinnabon is one of my favorite things in the world. It's so funny. Like the concept of you go into an airport and like immediately you're just like so much more willing to like eat something that you'd never eat. And then like, I think it's just because there's like an abundance of, or there's not an abundance of healthy options in an airport usually. And um, it has to do with frequency. So yeah. most people don't do that, do it often. Right. Airports often aren't in casinos often. And exactly. so it's this like one moment. You're, you're, yes. You're in a mental state of, I don't do this every day. And typically when you're in an airport, you're also, you're, you're traveling and thus typically like on vacation mode and yeah. more likely to maybe take something a little less healthy. That's right. Yeah. So right. Last question. Uh, last question we like to ask all our all our guests is just how you subscribe to wellness. So, what are a few things that you're focused on consistently during the week that enable you to live a healthier life while you're managing AG one? Hmm. One is being outside. Um, you know, if you're a listener of Huberman, you know he is a consistent advocate of getting that morning light in your eyes. And so, when I make my AG one, which is before my two kids who are three and five get up, I make a double batch. I drink half, leave the other half for my husband because he gets up about 30 minutes later um, and I go outside and I just walk around. I try to make at least a third of my meetings in the day outdoor walking meetings. So movement and sunlight. Um, though Adam, those are like the kind of call it fundamentals of foundational nutrition outside of AG1. I mean, it's interesting. My business literally is one of my daily habits for health and wellness and not because I work there because it's literally the, like, what else can you do in 60 seconds that has that much impact? The answer is nothing. There is nothing. There is no IV. There is no nothing that you can do in 60 seconds that has that much power. Um, and I find that really interesting, right? Outside of exercise, but what's 60 seconds of exercise going to do for me? Um, and, and then the other is time with my husband and kids, like, my bucket is full when I get my coffee time with my husband in the morning and my kids. It is less full when we're rushed or hurried or we're traveling and we've been apart for a period of time. Like that is a um, a major part of my wellness. That's amazing. Where can our listeners learn more about AG1 and Athletic Greens? Um, of course, athleticgreens.com, um, but follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We have lots of education there. We are ramping up on TikTok with a ton of educational content, which is super exciting. Um, a lot of research, a lot of science, like geek out level stuff. Um, so all the places you would hope to find great modern brands. And, um, and I'm available. If people have questions, any of us that work for AG, we try to be people's like, I'm not your doctor. Uh, I'm not a doctor and I'm not your doctor, but I'm happy to be uh, a helpful concierge as it relates to questions around uh, AG1. Amazing. Awesome. 
Kat, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.